For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 112 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back back at it again with the white vans or whatever. Don't call it a comeback. Been here for a year and a half, two years. What is it? Two years. Anyway, we got a lot to talk, lot to talk about Star Wars style this week. Huge information from Info, Entertainment info Weekly. dump. From... The Brez at Entertainment Weekly. And I gotta say, Anthony Bresnikin, he killed some of the writing on these articles. I'll bring that up when we get to them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before we get to all that, let me give you guys a real quickie of a business this week. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Buy our things, shirts and whatnot at TeePublic dot com slash user slash blue harvest podcast and i've contacted artist du jour extraordinaire evan DeCellis about our newest blue harvest design so hopefully we'll have that up for you guys soon and let me tell you it's a good one uh you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com we are part of that dang old, dang, dang old Making Star Wars podcast <laughs> network where you can find such badass, damn ass podcasts as Making Star Wars is now this is podcasting, Steel Wars. Oh, and speaking of steel, if you're in the LA area tomorrow and you're just like, oh, I got some free time around 4 p.m., you know what you should do? You should take your happy ass over to the Nerd Melt showroom to see Steel Wars live with Kyle Newman, the director of Fanboys. God damn, I wish I could go to that. God damn, why am I stuck in Alabama? God damn, why can't I go see all my friends and see Steel talk to the director of Fanboys? If you're living there and you're free tomorrow at 4 p.m. and you don't go, you're a damn ass dummy. Anyway, we're also part of uh, the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. I lost my train of thought there. 
along with such amazing other podcasts as Rebel Girl, Cantina Cast, Idiots Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. Boom. <clears throat> Kill the business. Kill the business. How's the how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. Can't complain. I've had a crazy, crazy week. What happened? Not as crazy as my sister and Goose. They oh, yeah? done had a damn ass baby. Yeah, they did. I'm a damn ass uncle. Yeah, you are. The newest pain. Jackson Steel Pain, born Jackson August Steel. 9th. And boy, do I wish I was hanging out with my little nephew now. Man, he he is so grumpy looking. I dig it, man. Like, they sent me, so, <clears throat> Wednesday afternoon, I was staying home. I stayed home Wednesday to work from home, and Jesse was here. And she went to go run some errands, right? Right. So she leaves the house, like, two seconds later comes back, and she goes, uh, our car won't start. Oh, great. So I go out there, mess around with it, can't really figure it out. Luckily, that damn-ass Jeremy Allen the Space Barbarian was able to come over. Who was over on. The, yes, he was on last week. Was able to come over and uh, get us jumped off. So we found out basically it was a bad battery, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while Jeremy's here, I get a phone call from Goose, and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, buddy, sorry I can't talk right now. I'm having some car trouble. And he goes, well, are you coming over? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, your sister's going to have the baby today, like right now. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, let me call you back. So we went, got a new battery. Like I fucking changed real quick. And then we headed straight to Mississippi to meet the little guy. Like a boss. Yeah, and about halfway there, she actually had the baby. And uh, so they sent us some pictures, and he was so mad. Babies are mad fresh out the oven. Birthing ain't an easy thing. And then, like, uh, I got a real good picture of him, and he's just stink-eyeing me while I'm holding him. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? What is, is this a damn-ass Chewbacca holding me? I'm sure he was glad to meet you. <clears throat> uh, I'll be glad to meet him. He's going to be a little badass. Yeah, hopefully we get, I think we're going to go over sometime next week and see him, so so I can get a little more time and now i gotta start strategically planning the massive gift buying of star wars toys for him yeah i'm trying to think yeah it's gonna be fun play school galactic heroes that's the way to go to start him off i think that's what i've decided okay anyway uh and before we get into the star wars there is one other thing i want to address it's not Star Wars related. Just a little bit of consumer advice. Because uh, I know some of our listeners are into gaming and retro ga- gaming and things like that. So about eight months ago, it was December last year, this product came up on Indiegogo for crowdfunding called the Retro Engine Sigma. And its tagline was Retro Gaming Made Easy. There's a reason I'm highlighting the retro gaming made easy. And I was all about it. I read it. So I decided to back it. Now, what it basically is, is a tiny little micro console that's 
loaded up with a ton of emulators, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they say it can emulate over forty systems, right? From way back right. to the Atari, all the way up to like PlayStation, Nintendo sixty four, sort of that generation. Right. You just have to provide the ROMs. So I backed it, and it was uh, for a May release. That's when I was supposed to get my console. Well, it got delayed several times. That's fine. You know, they were pretty transparent, being like, oh, it's delayed because of this, this, and this. And it all seemed like quality control issues. And I was like, whatever. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to make for a better product in the end. I'm fine with that. Well, finally, today was the day. Got my retro engine in the mail, and boy, was I excited. Having dreams of like, playing all kinds of Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis games tomorrow, just fucking around all time, all day on my game day off. Yeah. This thing is a huge stinking pile of dog shit. Really? Consumer Are you serious? beware. So I got it. I got it all plugged in, set up. It initialized, right? Yeah. I it spent five hours today fucking with this thing. And have yet to play one game. Why? Because it is a huge, hulking pile of damn ass dog shit. Right? Yeah. When they say retro gaming made easy, that shit is a fucking joke. There's nothing easy about this. Not one single instruction in the setup and operation of this console works the way it does in their instructions on their website because they send you this little slip that's like do like this three step but it doesn't tell you how to add roms it doesn't tell you how to configure it any of this stuff so you have to do that through their website which that's fine whatever i can use a website but no nothing they tell me to do works and i don't know if it's because i got a faulty system but I'll say this, I'm not the only one running into problems with this thing. When you look at their Facebook page and their comments on their Indiegogo campaign. Huh. I emailed them and I messaged them on their Facebook page. I haven't heard back yet. <clears throat> right now, I've just with the technical know-how I have, I've narrowed it down to I think the SD card that's in the system because that's what it uses for storage is like a little micro SD Right. I'm pretty sure that's bad. So that's why it's fucking up. But it'll be like, the instruction will be like, okay, to open up file sharing so you can transfer ROMs to the console, go to the desktop app. And you scroll over and you find the desktop app. Yeah. And you choose it and it freezes. Oh, no. And then it's like, if you don't want to do that, just use file sharing on from a PC or a laptop. So I go onto my laptop. I go into network. I see the console on my network. I go to open it, and it's like, to access this, you need your user credentials, uh, which are your username and password. There, There is no username and password. Oh, no. And, I mean, I tried everything. I tried formatting the SD card and then putting their operating system back on it. Like, just, oh, it was frustrating. Oh, my yeah. God, was it frustrating. Yeah. So, right now, it looks like I... I uh, Back to a huge pile of shit. We'll see. Oh, no. Oh, no, dude. I was so That's excited. A horror story. 
Like, I, you know, I'm reading about Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo campaigns and all these cool things they're doing and games and stuff. And finally, one is like, it grabs me. And I'm like, I am backing that. And I think I got burned. I think I got fucking burned. Did you really? I think. I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they'll email me back and be like, oh, you just got to, you know, maybe the system's faulty. Maybe the, uh, like I said, the SD card is bad, but we shall see. I just wanted to warn anybody because now they've got a, a little store set up where you can order them like past the, the Indiegogo campaign. So if any of our listeners were out there thinking about getting this system, because it, it got, you know, it was pretty, pretty hyped up online and stuff. And quite a few people backed it. I think they raised over $600,000 with their crowdfunding campaign. And the system was 70 bucks. So that's a lot of systems. So hopefully maybe I just got a fluke one. They'll make it right. We'll see right now, but. Damn. Yeah, at this point, I'm hoping you just got a fluke. <clears throat> Damn. If they scammed you, that's going to be... I mean... It, Bullshit. I, but like I said, I'm far from the only person having problems. If you look at their Facebook and their Indiegogo page, there's a lot of maybe, people having a variety of problems. Maybe because it's an independent thing, like they got to get their legs. Yeah, but I would have preferred they say, hey, we need to to delay it a little further you know yeah or instead of send it out sending out something that is literally just a goofy piece of fucking plastic paperweight that's sitting under my tv taunting me right okay my question now is doesn't hasn't nintendo released an old school what they call famicon well they have the famicom mini and the nes mini is yeah. that what you're talking about? But see, there's only... Um, Don't they play multiple old school games? Yeah, they play like 30. There's 30 on there. You can hack them and load more on there. Yeah. But this is the thing. Like, with this Retro Engine Sigma, I could put the entire NES ROM library on there. Every right. NES game. Every Super Nintendo game, Genesis game, Master Drive. Right. You know, et cetera, no, I, et cetera. I understand. And I've messed around with Raspberry Pi emulator machines before, and they do the trick. I just thought this, I got sucked in on the concept that this would just be less of a hassle than programming one of those little Raspberry Pis and fucking with all the settings and stuff. I thought right. this would be like plug and play, where I, right. like it would come in, I'd hook it all up, transfer my ROMs over, lickety fucking split and play some damn ass old games but no 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 but no so if anybody's out there looking at the retro engine sigma i'd say buyer beware for at least now unless they seriously pull out of a tailspin um so you want to talk some star wars yeah no this you know is, I do. now this is the good stuff so mm. <clears throat> anthony bresnikan over at Entertainment Weekly has been releasing a series of articles, like three a day since Wednesday. Um, and they are ju 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 juicy. They are juicy. Lots of little nuggets, cool ass pictures. Boy, is it setting my The Last Jedi hype machine to fucking 12. Not even 11 to 12. 
Um, so we're just going to go through these sort of in order that they were posted and just pick out some pertinent stuff and discuss it a little bit. The first one they released was a article about the relationship between Ray and Luke Skywalker. So right off the bat, they're, uh, they're getting me with that. And, uh, it sort of just talks about how the relationship between Ray and Luke is at least at the beginning of the movie and how, uh, sort of how Luke feels now in general. And there's some really cool pictures in this one. There's one of Ray standing outside of one of those beehive huts. And Luke is in the uh, doorway and there's a badass mountain in the background. Yeah. Really cool. Um, but they basically sort of confirm what a lot of people have, have pretty much felt was going to be the case leading into this movie. That uh, Luke is not exactly happy to see Ray at first. Right. Um, He'd be just fine if she stayed where she ever came from. Yep. And boy, do they tease through all these articles. They tease some Ray's parents and does Luke know her? Right. Uh, stuff. They tease that shit. Um, and A lot of his brokenness and his loneliness and his despair. His questioning of his nature with the force, like. Yeah, so like um, Daisy's talking in, in the article and it's got a quote from her about how, you know, of course it kind of makes sense that, you know, he's not trusting of her at first given everything that happens. But she doesn't take it very well because, you know, she's been used to all these people from like all the characters from The Force Awakens are super stoked to have Rey around. And they're super nice. And then she meets Luke, who's supposed to be like the dude in the galaxy, you know. And he's kind of gruff and unwelcoming. And she says, I don't think one girl, who he doesn't know, turning up with a lightsaber is going to make him go, oh shit, yeah, of course, I'll get back into the action. Yeah. Ridley says, but does he not know her, Hamill says in his separate interview. Hmm. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? They they play it so hard. Yeah. And um, and Ryan Johnson in the article talks a little bit about why Luke is on the island. A little bit. And he says, the very first step in, writing, in the writing of this, it was figuring out why he's on that island. We know that he's not a coward. He's not just hiding because he's scared. But we also know that he must know his friends are in danger. He must know the galaxy needs him. And he's sitting on this island in the middle of nowhere. There had to be an answer. It had to be something where Luke Skywalker believes he's doing the right thing. And the process of figuring out what that is and unpacking it is the journey for Ray. <coughs> so... The journey and, for Ray is figuring out why Luke refuses to rejoin the fight. Because Luke feels like the Jedi needs to die. Right. But that's the okay, so that reading that and it's probably a classic case of me reading too much into this stuff. 
when he says that's the journey for Ray, right? Yeah. Does that mean that's where the big surprise twist and holy shit moment is going to be? Is when Ray realizes why he thinks he needs to be on that island? Is that going to be the oh fuck it all? Co- you know what I mean? Like we'll be we'll be asking this question along with Ray through the movie, and then wasn't when it gets one the, of the? Go ahead, bud. No, I was saying wasn't one of the mini titles his own darkness? Like can Ray save Luke from his own darkness? Right, right. What if what if it's something like what if he feels the pull of the dark side? <clears throat> Maybe, man. And I he feels not. like he needs to get away from everybody. Maybe, but I hope not. I don't want to see bad guy Luke. I don't want to see oh. dark side Luke. I don't want that Ryan Johnsons. <laughs> you damn ass Ryan Johnsons. I don't want to see that dark side Luke. <laughs> don't do that to me, Ryan Johnsons. Oh no. Um, Mark Hamill has a pretty interesting quote. Luke made a huge mistake in thinking that his nephew was the chosen one. Right? I was going to bring this up. So he invested everything he had in Kylo, much like Obi-Wan did with my character. And he is betrayed with tragic consequences. Luke feels responsible for that. That's the primary obstacle he has to rejoining the world and his place in the Jedi hierarchy, you know. It's that guilt, that feeling that it's his fault, that he didn't detect the darkness in him until it was too late. <clears throat> so, I, I, okay, so I get it. He feels bad because, okay, fuck, fuck that. Let's cut... Kylo, he thought Kylo was the chosen one. So he didn't believe he was the chosen one. Well, okay. And they sure do like fucking with Star Wars canon lately. So they could, in in fact, end up changing this. But I still believe Anakin is the chosen one. Right? From that quote-unquote prophecy. Right. Is Mark Hamill referencing that? Or is it... He feels he's the chosen one to continue on the Jedi Order. You know, not necessarily bring balance to the Force. If it is an issue of balance to the Force, does that mean that the Force was thrown out of balance after Return of the Jedi at some point? Yeah. You know, I don't think so. That would seem like an awfully big event and something crazy to go on in between those movies for us not to see, you know? Right. Or does he mean like he's supposed to take on the mantle of the head of the Jedi Order after I'm gone? I don't know. The Chosen One. We'll find out. He Um, said the Chosen One. Um. Oh, man. I sort of blanked out there. That chosen one thing threw me for Ryan Johnson. It was like, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, you did it again. Uh, Fucking chosen one. I don't know, man. What did you, was there anything else that you took from this article that jumped out at you? Oh, um, I think we covered the things that jumped out to me, honestly. Those are the major ones that I had questions about. There um, may have been something else that Daisy Ridley said, but I can't remember. 
What's funny, or not funny, this is one of my favorite things that Anthony Bresnikan, this is my favorite piece of Bresnikan writing. And it's the last section of the article. It's the last little bit. He says, but deep down, the farm boy turned warrior turned exile would also like to meet the hero known as Luke Skywalker again. That's a good piece of writing. Yeah. I, I really dig that. I was like, all right. But what does it mean? To, uh, oh, man. I'm really worried about the Luke of it all in this movie. I don't want to see the force diminished Luke. You know, like... Uh, where he doesn't have a strong connection to the force, where he's questioning oh. his his faith. Well, I don't know that he won't necessarily still have a strong connection to the force. Questioning his, his faith, as you say... I think that might be uh, a given at this point almost, you know? Yeah. But that's not, I mean, once again, just because he starts out the movie, then hopefully that's not where he ends. I know, yeah. There's going to be something that changes his mind to where he's got to engage or he's got to take, you know, care of Ray. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. If he's just like, fuck it, you learn that shit on your own. No. I'll be I, bummed. I I get the feeling that he will end up training her. I just wonder what it's what like what it is that makes him decide to. The simple training that she got from Maz Kanata allowed her to whip Kylo Ren's ass. And that was like five minute pep talk. That's a good damn pep talk. Right? Like if Maz Kanata was coach of a college football team, they'd never <laughs> lose. Yeah, I know, right? You know, they might start the game at a loss, but at the end, it would be a blowout, a landslide surprise blowout. Eight touchdowns in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. All right, so next up, uh, they had an article about Finn and Rose. And it basically just gives you an idea of where Finn is at, sort of, in his headspace. And I was surprised to read that, basically, when he wakes up, like, he's like, no, fuck this, I want to leave the resistance. Like, I I, I don't want to be part of something about a wound that hasn't healed? Is that metaphorical? Yeah, I was, like- was going to bring that up. I wonder that myself, Bresnikan writes... He had been critically wounded by a lightsaber attack that still burns and has never quite healed. <coughs> so, when he says still burns, does that mean like he's constantly got a burning in his back? Because right, or is that metaphorical as in <coughs> right, like burns in his emotional right. self? That's what I'm wondering. Um, but he ends up. Um, so apparently, at first. He's ready to leave, but he gets sucked back in and he goes on a venture with uh, Kelly Marie's tran Kelly Marie trans new character, Rose Tico, who we've heard about before. Um, and it looks like they will be hanging out quite a bit in this movie. And she's a, like a kick-ass engineer mechanic. Yeah. Mechanic. Yeah. But she it apparently, uh, so she's got a sister named Paige and, yeah. uh, Paige is apparently sort of the hot shot of the two. She's like a resistance gunner. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Rose is more like, you know, the lowly mechanic kind of shy type character, I guess. Right. From what it's describing. And apparently she is like crazy impressed by Finn. Like, you know how Finn calls himself a big deal in The Force Awakens? Right. Well, it appears like she views him as a big deal because of what he did in The Force Awakens. And, um, and she, uh, and apparently like it makes him a little uncomfortable. That could, I think is going to be an interesting sort of, uh, dynamic to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they go on a, on some sort of mission to the casino on Canto Bite. So we've seen, you know, we saw Canto Bite in the, uh, behind the scenes, um, trailer, um, okay, so, okay, all right, I didn't notice this, so Canto Bight is just the, tr- the city that this, the casino's on, and the world, the planet is Cantonica. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't catch that the first two times I read that. How'd that happen? Um... That, Third time's a charm, and there's a uh, there's a picture of the casino in these uh, in these articles, and man, it looks cool. It looks very prequel like in its design. Yeah, it looks yep. like a mixture between Coruscant and Naboo. The uh, they've got these crazy like four winged police speeders. So, I'm looking forward to that, man. Little nuggets of information. All right. It's time to get real. Part three. Meet the Porgs and the Caretakers from Luke Skywalker's Island. And boy, do I love the picture that they shared with this. It's a picture of Chewie and a Porg in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon hanging out together. That's pretty cool. And this has me hoping... I hope, like, you know how sometimes they're like, if you're grieving, try getting a pet. That would help you. Right. Does Chewie help grieve Han Solo by getting a pet porg? Is this porg? Oh my god! If if the rest of the Star Wars movie movies involve Chewie, you know, like Chewie's there and he's always got his pet porg on board the Falcon. Yeah. Sign me up. Ryan Johnson's, I hope you did that. What if he's always carrying like the satchel and the porgs in the satchel? Oh, like the Beastmaster? The Beastmaster had Kodo and Poto in his satchel, his two ferrets. Yeah. Man. Way to go, Beastmaster. Um <clears throat> and and Ryan Johnson talks about how the porgs were basically, you know, sort of influenced by the puffins that are native to uh Skellig Michael. During, you know, a certain time of year. Yeah. Um, now, interesting here. The caretakers. These are another indigenous race of creatures to Octo, which is apparently how that's said. I've been saying Octo since Damn Ass Force Awakens came out. Apparently it's mm-hmm. Octo. Um, and Ryan Johnson describes them as they're kind of these sort of fish bird type aliens who live on the island. They've been there for thousands of years 
and they essentially keep up the structures on the island. Right? And right. did you see the picture of them? Yeah, I did. They, they look, look like really neat. They look like alien nuns. Yeah. Lizard alien nuns. They're all female, and I wanted them to feel like a remote sort of little nunnery, Johnson says. Neil Scanlon's crew designed them, and the costume designer, Michael Kaplan, made these working clothes that also sort of reflect a nun-like Spartan sort of resistance. They can communicate with Luke through what Johnson describes as a blubbery sort of Scottish fish talk. That's fucking weird, right? Yeah. Granted, like, Sounds cool, though. caveat, of course, if we were reading this article about Empire Strikes Back, and we were like, Luke meets a green alien on a swamp, and he speaks all kinds of backwards and fucked up. We'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> He speaks reverse. That sounds fucked up. That sounds weird. Yeah. So, I can't wait to see these. I think these things might have, like, a... I don't know. I think there might be some real mystical shit going on with these things. Right. They're the caretakers of an ancient Jedi temple. The first Jedi temple. They've been there for thousands of years. Right? Right. What are these things? It'd be cool if they're they're the result of a caretaker race that has evolved in the light side of the force. Right. And apparently, did I mention they're not stoked to have Luke there? Oh, are they not? That's what Ryan Johnson says. They can talk and communicate with Luke, but they're not necessarily stoked that he's there. Which is interesting. Maybe it's because they just feel like he's like fucking everything. Like, we just cleaned this beehive hut, Luke. You in here trimming your beard and shit. Leaving your beard (laughs) trimmings all over the floor in this beehive hut. We gotta sweep this shit up. You're rude. You did go to the dark side. Is rudeness part of the dark side? Because you went to the dark side, Luke Skywalkers. Um, He mentions, he gets into a little bit of the, uh, sort of the history of Octu. Doesn't get in there very um, in depth. And he, he definitely states that they don't like fully flesh out the Jedi religion in this, but they do add elements that deepen the mythology of the whole force and Jedi thing. That's cool. I am boy. That, that's what I'm talking about. Let's give them something to talk about. <laughs> Let's give the, them something to talk about. You have the voice of an angel. <laughs> talk about force. Force. Ah! All right, <clears throat> that's that'll be enough of that. Um, <laughs> oh lordy, lordy! So I'm just uh, yeah, going through here. I want to know what these guys are. All right, uh, next up, Snoke and the Praetorian Guard. <clears throat> Surprised we didn't get a look at Snoke. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm surprised we did not get a look at Snoke in this article because Lucasfilm has got to know that that shit has done been leaked. People have seen Snoke. He wears a gold robe. And he looks all fucked up. 
So maybe they're still trying to tease his appearance. Maybe in them, you know, like <laughs> so. We get our first in-movie look at the Praetorian Guards, and I gotta say, finally they've really won me over. They look good in this set picture. They look better than you know the product artwork and things like that that I've seen. Yeah, they look pretty fucking cool. Uh, Ryan Johnson talks about how they were definitely inspired by samurai. Fuck, I'm in. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm done. Show me as much of this as you want. Give it to me. Um, It's cool in the picture. If you look, the guy that's holding the spear or whatever the hell that is, there's definitely a energy beam on the edge. Yeah. I think that's for uh, deflecting lightsabers. Do you think that's what that's for? I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say yes. So if you're Snoke, right, and you're like, if Luke Skywalker comes back, he says in The Force Awakens, if they find Luke Skywalker, then the new Jedi will rise. So clearly Snoke is concerned about Jedi, right? And if you are going to get personal guards that are in like crazy Power Ranger looking red plastic samurai armor, you would think you would want to give them something that could maybe combat a lightsaber if one ever came your way. You... Yeah, it probably wouldn't be a lightsaber. You know, it'd be something that could hold up. But you wouldn't want to give all the subordinates no, a lightsaber tips, you know, things. Right. Yeah, I'm not necessarily... Some people have been like, are those mini lightsaber projectors? And I don't know that it's necessarily like an actual lightsaber blade or whatever energy stream or whatever the fuck it is right on these weapons but i bet you it's it's similar to like the magna guards that's what i'm that's what i'm hoping and like that uh baton thing from the force awakens because yeah you know that could take up hold up to a lightsaber so you know he gives them some sort of defense against lightsabers that's all i'm saying we'll see that's what i'm hoping for I like, and if they do say, "Oh no, it's actual," like it's it's the same device as a lightsaber. Uh, it's if, not that big a fucking deal. But. It's not that big of a deal, and if they do that, that's fine. Just don't in the in like cross sections and stuff like that. Don't be like, "That's a mini lightsaber." Don't call it yeah. a mini lightsaber. Come up with you know, just call it a something light something. And just don't mini. I just, just know like, that if I were something. King Evil, I wouldn't be equipping absolutely everybody with the best shit. My whatever I had would still cut down all their stuff. Right, right. For sure. But, you know, these are his... It's not like he's got a ton of these. These are just his personal homies, his personal guard. Right. Um, I mean, I want to see these things in action. <clears throat> so, he talks about uh, Snoke's appearance in the movie, right? And... Right how much of a role he'll play in this movie. And Johnson says, similar to Ray's parentage, Snoke is here to serve a function in the story. And a story is not a Wikipedia page. For example, in the original trilogy, we didn't know anything about the emperor, except what Luke knew about him, that he's the evil guy behind Vader. Then in the prequels, you knew everything about Palpatine because his rise to power was the story. In The Last Jedi, Johnson says, we'll learn exactly um, as much about Snoke as we need to. 
He does confirm that or confirm that we will see more of him than we did in the Force Awakens. Um, so that'll be interesting. What do you think that means? Exactly, exactly, exactly as much as we need to know. Um, that means he'll probably have a couple scenes where he gives out orders. Mm-hmm. Possibly more than that, but maybe some, maybe a dark side training element would be awesome. But well, I could see him in some conversation with Snoke, dropping a little nugget or two of Snoke backst or, or of, with Kylo. I mean, like he's talking to Kylo at some point and uh, lets loose a couple of little nuggets of, you know, Snoke backstory. Yeah, but. Basically, I think Ryan Johnson is laying it out like he ain't in this movie a ton and you're definitely not learning everything about Snoke. It's not answering every question about Snoke. But it does sound like he's going to give us a little. So (laughs) I guess you got to save some stuff for episode nine, even though I'm not totally convinced that we'll get everything by episode nine. So, right. We shall see. Um. He also goes on to really praise Andy Serkis's performance, which if that makes sense. The dude is like the mocap Kick master. Ass. Yeah. Um, next up is sort of a sad one. Carrie Fisher as Princess or Leia Organa. I always want to call her Princess Leia. She's a general. She'll always be royalty to me. Uh, Carrie Fisher restores hope for Leia Organa. And he goes through and basically talks about how like Leia has been through some shit in her day, but she still manages to like just be badass and go on forward. Despite the fact that, you know, her planet was destroyed, her son killed her husband, her her son killed a bunch of Jedi trainees, you know. Her son killed her baby daddy. He sure did. When he went to redeem him to try to take him back home like she asked him to. Yep. Talks about how there's like the risk that you would think that everybody rallies to the resistance after the destruction of the Republic, but that is not the case. The resistance is sort of out on their own still. still. Um, there's no one to rally to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, kind of the seed of the galaxy got destroyed, right? Yeah. And it oh. kind of makes it seem like the, the first order is making some moves to really take over in this one. So, to me, it sounds like an ungoverned galaxy and like the First Order is scrambling to get their foothold in and the Resistance is scrambling to stop them from getting that foothold in. Yeah. Which, uh, that could be interesting. But if there's not like... Like, you know, the Empire was in control. If the First Order is not yet taken over or whatever, then that could be pretty interesting, you know? Yeah. Um... And he basically says that, you know, um, they weren't planning on this being her last movie. So that's, you know, that's something we've known. You know, they've rewritten Nine to reflect that. Um, He talks about how the relationship between her and Laura Dern's character, Admiral Holdo, is very strained. Um, talks about how she basically views Poe as a surrogate son and as someone that could, 
not just be like a hot shit fighter pilot, but actually move into a role as a leader in the resistance. Mm -hmm. So it seems kind of like Poe might be who Leia is wanting to pass the torch on to, to continue the resistance after she's gone. And I think that's cool. I could, I like that idea of Poe evolving into like a real serious leadership role. Yeah. I like that too. Cause I like Poe. I like that there, Poe. <clears throat> that damn Ron. Mm-hmm. So he does sort of um, address, you know, how this, they, you know, going into it, they, of course, didn't know this was going to be her last Star Wars movie. He says, there's no way that we could have known this would be the last Star Wars movie she would be in. So it's not, sad. Yeah. So it's not like we made the film thinking that we were bringing closure to the character. But watching the film, there's going to be a very emotional reaction to what she does in this movie. Hmm. That's cool. I have no idea what that could be, but that's cool. Probably the thing I'm worried most about is is how Leia's story is brought to a close i think that is one that that could really turn me off if they get that wrong you know Mm -hmm. um then it talks a little bit about benicio del del (coughs) del toro's new character dj dj and talks about how he is you know not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy and they have a official description for him as DJ is an enigmatic figure whose tattered threadbare clothes and lackadaisical attitude conceal a sharp mind and ep- mind and expert skills. Um, they mentioned that he's part of the mission that Finn and Rose undertake on Canto Bite. So um, that's interesting. Uh, they mentioned that he is a slicer. Which is basically the Star Wars a hacker, yeah, Star Wars uh, um, equivalent of uh, a hacker. John Boyega says, "We just need a code breaker, and he's the best in the galaxy." Unfortunately, he's very dodgy and only in it for financial gain. He doesn't fight for any side. So, um, and you know, this is a. Uh, you know, about all they really gave us, you know? Um, he has distinct opinions, John Boyega says. The Resistance bombs the First Order one day. The First Order bombs the Resistance on another. It's an ongoing war that will never end. For him, he's trying to benefit off of that, which doesn't make him the person you want to trust. Makes it seem like we might be in for a little bit of a double cross here. Hmm. Maybe they flip it and he double crosses the first order in some way, though. Um, I wonder what he's going to be hacking into and what it has to do with the casino planet. Hmm. Do you think maybe he's trying to pull some sort of, you know, electronic heist? To get a bunch of money for the resistance? Like, do they need a bunch of, the of plans money? for their planet killer weapon? <laughs> no. No. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that'll be it. I mm. mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't uh, <laughs> maybe. Um 
I would see, like, okay, so with it being a ca- uh, casino planet, right? Right. It makes me think that maybe it has something to do with financial shenanigans. Like, are they trying to get money so they can finance a bigger fleet or hire mercenaries and pirates to fight on the side of the resistance? Are they trying to cut off Snoke's money supply? Is Snoke it, involved in, you know, politically in this casino business somehow, and they're trying to cut him off from <laughs> one of his major sources of income? What if there's a hut in there, and it's not Jabba? Oh, that'd be cool. I want to see huts in the movies again at some point. I don't know, man. I It, it would seem odd for the resistance to be like, hey, we need money. Let's do this heist in, like, the Las Vegas of, of galaxies. Yeah, to me, that's the least likely, and it's almost too pedestrian for Star Wars, right? Like, but I could see them trying to cut off Snoke from some sort of money. I like a Casino Royale kind of something. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So the next article basically just gave little. Uh, from here on in uh, out, it just sort of gives basic little updates on some characters, like with okay. Kylo. It says. Um, uh, you know that he was hum- humiliated by uh, his defeat with Ray, so he's definitely got a grudge against her. Uh, Johnson said he's definitely been knocked off base. The defeat he had at the end of the Force Awakens was even bigger than that. This huge defining act, which spoiler spoiler alert, is the murder of his father. That's the more interesting thing to dive into. How has he dealt with that in his head? Where is he? in terms of that act and what does that mean for him? Um, Kylo represents the kind of rebellious anger that you feel during that period. Honestly, sometimes it's a healthy desire to push away from the places you know, from the things that you came from, but he's obviously does this in an extreme that's not in an extreme and that's not healthy at all. Uh, He says Kylo and Ray are two halves of the dark and light um and talks about you know how sort of the influence of han solo uh affects this movie and talks about how daisy ridley or or ray is pissed off at kylo even more because you know she grew up not knowing her parents and this motherfucker just killed his one of his parents in front of her and, you know, there was definitely sort of a surrogate father to Ray thing going on between Han right. and Ray, you know? Um, and I think that's a cool way to approach the character. Um, and, and, and he says, um, Han, the ghost of, well, not literally. I don't want to misguide. I have to be very careful with my words here. But a figurative ghost of Han had to be present throughout this entire film. So, like I said, basically the influence of Han and what happened with Han is going to be a big part of this movie. And that only makes sense. Um, It's going to be messed up when she tells Luke, I feel like. uh, Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you think Luke knows already or do you think she's going to have to tell him? You know, this goes back to that whole is Luke's for connection to the fourth still strong? I mean, if it is, he should know. If it's not, right? Uh, 
So, we'll see. Uh, next up, they talk about Captain Phasma, uh, who Ryan Johnson confirms we will see in action. So, fuck yeah, I'm all about seeing Phasma fighting and maybe kicking some ass. Totally kicking ass. Um, it says that it won't necessarily explore new backstory for for that. There, you know, there's the book and the comic series coming out. Um, he talks about Chewie a little bit. And talks about how Chewie is... We're not going to see him, like, depressed. But we're going to definitely see him, like... He says more volatile than usual. So, uh, something tells me Chewie's going to be like that friend that you don't want to say the wrong thing to because they'll fly off the handle for at least a little gonna bit. Because they're going to be ripping people's arms out of their sockets. Pissed off, man. I'd be pissed off too if my homie Han got killed. Um, I'd be drinking Wookiee liquor. <laughs> Wookiee liquor. Drinking Wookiee liquor and licking Wookiees. Um mm. <laughs> damn ass Wookiees uh, he said this is what J- Ryan Johnson says Chewie's doing alright it's tough it was obviously a big loss for him but you know he's Chewie he's resilient he's got broad Wookiee shoulders and he also has a new mission he's got Ray, and she's someone to Han that Han to a certain extent handed the keys to so I think that helps it could be worse if Chewie was just unemployed and sitting at home things might be a little rougher but he's got a task to focus on. Also, he's got new friends. Talking about the Porgs. Um, I wonder what Chewie's task is. That's something I haven't considered. Like, what is... They're giving Chewie a task in this movie. I wonder what it is. Hmm. I don't know. I wonder if it's on Oct 2. What could he be doing on Oct 2 that's so important? Maybe he's trying to re- uh, repair a sunken ass, damn ass X-wing on Octo. Octo. You don't want to see that. You don't think I want to see that? You don't want to see him repair a sunken uh, X-wing. Why would I? Wouldn't I? Fixing up Luke Skywalker's X-wing so Luke Skywalker can fly his X-wing off into battle. Hop out. Why wouldn't he just hop over? in the Falcon? I know it doesn't line up. I was just wondering. I'm spitballing here. I'm like, I wonder what Chewie's task is. And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, let me come up with something. Chewie's good at fixing <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, no. Chewie's like a giant damn ass dog mechanic. He can fix stuff. And and immediately Will's I would like, think, no, that's dumb. That's fucked up. <laughs> um, I would think Luke could have pulled the X-Wing out of the water. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. The question is, why didn't he? Then <laughs> um, it mentions Maz Kanata and how she is not in the movie a ton, even less than The Force Awakens. Uh, and he says she has a smaller part in this than she has in The Force Awakens, but it's a really fun part, and Lapita is awesome. I'm just so happy I got to work with her. So, hmm, that's interesting. Less of Maz. Maz seemed like she was going to be a pretty big deal after uh, episode seven. Um, all right. She's got a bar and a rebuild or move or something. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, 
The next part is Ray takes her first steps towards uncovering her family history. So it looks like we will be getting the answer to who's Ray's, to who's Ray's mom and daddy. Uh, and this is what Ryan says to me. It's important insofar as it's important to her. And I think it's important to her in terms of what is her place in all of this. What's going to define her in this story? She was told in the past movie that the answer's not in the past, it's looking forward. But she's showing up on this island to talk to this hero from the past. Uh, you can be told the answer's not the past, but I think she still has a lingering hope that she's going to find the thing that's going to say, this is where you belong, this is where you are. I think she still holds on to the thought that where she comes from will define where she's going. Ray uh, Ridley says Ray will ultimately find the answer and discover that it doesn't matter that much. It won't change who she is, or at least <coughs> who she wants to be. Hmm. <laughs> What's that make you? How does that make you feel, Will? Not one way or the other, honestly. Like I don't, you know. I I think it matters to Ray where she came from because she feels like she got left behind. Like she was abandoned. Right. And to understand who you were and what your parents did, you know, you want to know, is there a legacy to carry on? What was my family doing? What were they good at? You know, just like Luke asked in a new hope, did you knew my father? Like you wanted to hear about him, you know? Right. Um, So it also is hinted that he also hints that we might find out more about Finn's family. Uh, it's not explored in depth in episode eight. And, uh, you know, they sort of um, mentioned that we will learn more about his past and where he came from and potentially why he made the decision to escape that he made. And this is from John Boyega. I'm also very curious. The question that needs to be answered is why he, did decide, why he decided to leave as a stormtrooper in the first place. We will find out just a little bit more about him. Well, that's cool. I'm always down to hear more about uh, Buddy Finn. Um, this it's sad to thing. think that he's trying to run from the fight. So this is the thing. If Ray was Luke's daughter, how could that not matter to her? You know? Right. They say in the article, when she finds out, she finds out that it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't know, man. What if she's an orphan that was given to Luke because she was force sensitive? It could be. And he dropped her off on Jakku to try to keep her safe. I mean, you know, that could be. I just can't see Luke leaving her with a fucking dickhole like damn ass uncar plot yeah at six years old or however old she yeah you know five or six however old she is there that just seems like not a loop harsh move. yeah harsh much but maybe you know they they're talking about how you know she finds out some things about luke that aren't great maybe that is what they're fine they'll find out yeah yeah i left you there thought you'd be safer happier mm, but i don't know i don't know about that that 
to me is one that makes me think no. Yeah. Like, but is that just me being too like idolizing Luke too much to think he wouldn't do that? You know, is, is that me just being like, well, Luke's too good of a guy. Of course, Luke wouldn't just leave her with fucking Uncar plot. Is that going to be something that this movie does is make me rethink that? Um, you guys have a dark side spasms, dark side spells. I don't know. Sure would like to know though. Not long, like just a little over four months until we'll know. And then we'll know for sure forever, man. I cannot wait to do the after movie podcast on this one. Tell me about it. Something tells me we're going to have lots to discuss and unpack. And something tells me that it's um, it's not going to... We're definitely not going to have all the questions answered. It's definitely going to leave some stuff for episode nine. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. common sense, really. Um, one thing I did notice, they sort of addressed the whole, is this a, a remake of uh, Empire Strikes Back? in the article and and ryan johnson he's pretty upfront where he's like look there are definitely some some similarities like the main character is off on a you know uh far away planet trying to train with an old jedi master that's you know and the the rest of her friends are off gallivanting around the galaxy going to like fancy places cloud city aka canto bite for adventures but he's like but that's where the similarities end you know they're they're doing different things and telling different stories so the one thing i hope is if that i just hope that's not like when promotion for this movie starts and you know it's gonna be that's what sucks but like that question that gets answered asked in every interview these people have to do so is this just a remake of empire strikes back and they gotta be like no it's you know, there's a couple of structural similarities, but there's some differences. and I just have a feeling that's going to be one of those questions they get a lot. Yeah, I agree. Alrighty. Um, I think that's it for the articles. The main stuff. Was there anything that jumped out to you that I didn't catch? No, I think you caught everything. I think if, if the people that haven't read those articles... They should go read them. They're good read. They're intense and they're awesome. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to go out and try to pick up a physical copy of the magazine tomorrow. They got two different covers. Cool. They got a uh, a Ray cover and a um, a Luke cover. How many weeks? So we're recording this on Friday, the eleventh. Um. 11th, 18th, 25th. So four weeks until Force Friday. I remember the Force Friday you and I went to Walmart. Yep, and you know what? I don't think that Walmart will be doing it this year. They didn't do it last year either. Um, that Walmart's no longer 24 hours. So Wow. I yeah, I can't see them doing a Force Friday. Yep, it's a shame. I guess I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going for Force Friday this year. Probably Target. Probably the Target I went and got all my Rogue One stuff um, at last year. Did they have cake? Cupcakes? At Target? Yeah. No. 
No, they didn't even do a big thing. I I just showed up like the minute they opened and went back to the the toy section. They, they for Rogue One, they didn't do the big event like they did for the Force Awakens. Star yeah. Wars themed cupcakes and they were cupcakes, gonna have, balloons. We were gonna, they were gonna have games and stuff, and I was like, mm, no, I just want to go home and look at my toys. See you later, guys. Yeah, leave my toys in the box. <laughs> yes, sir. Leave them toys in the box. Uh. Uh, leave them toys in the box. Uh, and then uh. they came back like there was going to be some problem, and we were like, "Nope, not, not. We're going to go hide in. Uh, we're going to go hide in sporting <laughs> in the camping section." <clears throat> yep. Like there's, you know, what the problem is? The problem is that we were smart enough to get there at ten o'clock, and you guys had already put the stuff out. So I'm loading up the cart with everything I want. Right. We're gonna go hide. I'm not gonna be a dick. I'm not buying out the entire Star Wars section. I'm just getting one of everything that I want. It is a it is There's, a cart full. <laughs> it was a cart full, but there was plenty of left. I never took the only one of anything. You know what I mean? There were multiples of things I got right left. So it wasn't like a total. But I was like, look, we got here at ten with full intentions of waiting to midnight, but you guys put the shit out. That shit is going so in my we just cart. Went through and we're like, pop, 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 pop. I'll take this, 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 this. That shit is going in my cart, and we're just gonna hang out in Walmart till midnight for two hours in the camping section, hiding, so you yep. guys don't make us come put this shit back. Right? Did you hear the big news about Disney and Netflix this week? Did you hear about no. this? Oh, oh yeah, I did. Uh, basically, Disney isn't gonna release their stuff on Netflix anymore. They'll have access to about 2019, I believe. To some stuff, uh, but yeah. Disney is going to try to do their own streaming service. Yeah, and then one of the shortly after that came out, it was sort of updated saying that that was Disney and Pixar, and that Marvel and um, Star Wars would be part of a different conversation or a different negotiation. Yeah. Um, and then today I saw an article where like one of the heads of Netflix said that they're they're in discussions with Disney right now to continue streaming Star Wars content. I think and I I, I mentioned this on Rogue One and I was going to ask you what you thought about it. I think we could end up seeing a Star Wars app, like a Star Wars streaming service. Because if they're separating Disney now, maybe Disney just eventually plans to have it all under one app. App and the, the thing that wouldn't make sense would to make it exclusive. Disney's about to make Star Wars Land. You might you're gonna have to buy the Disney app. You know you're gonna have to buy the Disney streaming subscription for all things Star Wars. Right. I I was just kind of wondering because Marvel. Like, I could see them. I don't know that they would do this, but I could almost see Disney being like, "Well, you can get the Disney app." Uh, and it's got, uh, you know, Disney and Pixar movies on it and shows and, and stuff new. Cause they said they're going to do original shows and movies. Disney is going to have to put the library online at some point, you know, like, okay. So the Disney library is routinely unavailable. It, it, it goes in shifts, you know, certain movies come out of the vault for purchase. Right. Um, eventually, I don't know you know. Maybe this will happen on the Disney streaming app. Maybe it won't. You know, I don't know. I can't tell you. But um, eventually, Disney will have to give people access to the entire vault. You know what I'm saying? If you want to watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks, 
I shouldn't have to wait 10 years for that to come right. on sale on DVD. You know? Right. I agree. If I <laughs> want to watch The Jungle Book or The Sword in the Stone, you know, I should yeah. be able to yeah. watch that. I just wonder, like I said, because they said the negotiations for Marvel and Star Wars would be different. Like maybe they have to wait a little while longer or they're going to wait a little while longer to add Marvel and Star Wars to the Disney streaming service. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, what I thought about is maybe some of these ventures they don't necessarily like to produce. Like Netflix produces them, right? Well, like with the Marvel TV series that Netflix does, I'm pretty sure Netflix does at least in part finance those. Right. You know? So, and that's what I'm saying is maybe Disney finds it easier for those licenses, right, to farm that out to Netflix. But the things that are, you know, close that they want to micromanage, like Star Wars, right, that could be it for sure. It, I mean, like you said though, one of the articles I read said that it would be potential that Netflix could get, um the streaming rights for the last Jedi and the Han Solo movie, but not episode nine. Oh, I see. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you never know. Yeah. uh, I just wonder if eventually we're going to get to the point where there's a star Wars streaming service is basically what I'm saying. Will there be a streaming service that I subscribe to that's got all the star Wars movies, clone wars, rebels, whatever comes after that etc etc you know and if they did that they could throw on put a legends section on there and throw shit like the ewoks movies up there the fucking ewoks cartoon the droids cartoon after george lucas dies they can put the christmas special on there yeah i don't know that they've got i wonder if disney slash lucasfilm have in their possession like a good copy of the christmas special something tells me they they don't that would be messed up Because probably several of their employees do. Right. I mean, you know, you can go on YouTube and watch it, and you can get bootlegs at cons and online and stuff, but I don't know that a a copy in good enough quality to put out, I don't know if that exists. I wonder. I see. I see. Because even the, like, quote-unquote best versions of that I've seen online are still not great. They're still, you know, transferred off of a 30-year-old VHS tape several times over you know yeah 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 all righty well this week i think we are going to skip emails and voice messages and catch up on those next week i'm kind of slammed with work and kind of need you to get back to that so i think we're probably going to cut it off there right on thanks for recording with me this week buddy dude thanks for having me such great news week to talk yeah um, once again, on August 12th, which is today, the day this is coming out, if you are interested and uh, have uh, some free time around 4 p.m., you should go over to the Nerd Melt showroom and see Steel Wars Live with Steel and uh, Kyle Newman, the director of Fanboys. If you like our theme song, you can check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us reviews, please. That really helps us out. We've gotten a couple of new ones recently, and we really appreciate it. Um, But yeah, hit us with a couple of uh, five-star reviews if you have the chance. 
And uh, we'll catch up with you guys next next week. We'll get caught up on voicemails and emails and all that. Um, the big question is, when's the next trailer? Might be soon. Hopefully very soon. Yep. Uh, this time last year, in fact, a, a year ago today, the second uh, teaser trailer for Rogue One premiered. During the Olympics. During those damn-ass Olympics. So, if they follow the uh, promotional uh, schedule that they did for Rogue One, might be getting a trailer fairly soon. And boy, would that be fucking exciting. You know what's crazy that I didn't think about? What's that? Uh, Tokyo is hosting the 2020 Olympics, I believe. Right. Uh, And in Akira the anime and manga all that crazy shit happens um during the setup for the olympics at 2020 for real yeah the stadium that akira is under is being constructed for the olympics the 2020 olympics that's crazy right they definitely haven't had the contract that long for the Olympics to be in Tokyo in 2020. So that's crazy. I never thought about that. Wow. You're like blowing my mind up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, until then, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. And may the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.